Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au I've got the afternoon session. <laughs> it's the easy one. <laughs> Hope lunch was okay and... Um, uh, one more session and then we're going to uh, break for the afternoon and come back together. And hasn't God been good? Just a real sense of God's presence in, uh, in the services and it's just amazing. And we're so blessed to have some great speakers. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 6. 1 Samuel chapter 6. I want to... Share a thought out of the text. First Samuel chapter 6. Let's take it from verse 1. The Bible says, When the ark of the Lord had been in Philistine territory seven months, the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners and said, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it back to its place. They answered, If you return the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it back to him without a gift. By all means, send a guilt, a guilt offering to him. Then you will be healed and you will know why his hand has not been lifted from you. So the Philistines asked, what guilt offering should we send? They said, five gold tumors, five gold rats, according to the number of the Philistine rulers, because the same plague, COVID, has struck both of you and your rulers. Make models of the tumors and of the rats that are destroying the country and give glory to Israel's God. Perhaps he will lift his hand from you and your gods and your land. Why do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh did when Israel's God dealt harshly with them? Did they not send the Israelites out so they could go on their way? Now, then get a new cart ready with two cows that have calved and never been yoked. Hitch the cows to the cart, uh, but take their calves away and pen them up. Take the ark of the Lord and put it on the cart and in a chest beside it, put the gold objects you are sending back to him as a guilt offering. Send it on its way, but keep watching it. If it goes up to its own territory toward Beth Shemesh, then the Lord has brought this great disaster on us. But if it does not, then we will know that it was not just, it was not his hand that struck us, but this happened by chance. So they did this. They took two such cows and hitched them up to the cart and penned up their calves, they placed the ark of the Lord on the cart and along with it in the chest uh, containing the gold rats, the models for the tumors. And then the cows went straight up toward Beth Shemesh, keeping on the road and lowing all the way. They did not return to the right or to the left. The rulers of the Philistines followed them as far as the border of Beth Shemesh. And so, Father, we just thank you for your word. And we thank you that every time we open your word, it has the capacity to speak into our lives. That's our prayer this afternoon. Speak a word into our hearts. Father, we haven't come to just hear more words. We want to hear the voice of the Spirit. There'd be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom. Open our minds to understand your word, we pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you that you will speak. That life, that, that your word will be it will bring life into our hearts and lives. This is our prayer and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So I want to speak today on the subject, carrying the presence of God. It was just interesting, uh, Richard used that phrase this morning, uh, we are carriers of the presence of God. One of the most important aspects of church life is the presence of God. Can I hear an amen? Uh, a great church um, is not a church that has great music or programs or um, great LED screens in the back, uh, great buildings. All of these things are good, but what we need above all else is the presence of God. Can I hear an amen? Um, Bible says, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Uh, and that scripture has become a cliche today, but it's a powerful scripture. It says that when we gather together in the name of Jesus, God says, I'm going to be there amongst you. And if Christ is present, then anything can happen. What we need more than anything else in our gatherings, whether it's a life group, a youth group, a women's group, whatever group it is, what we need is for God to be present. Bible says in one verse, it says, and the power of God was present to heal. I love those kind of scriptures because they, they talk about God being present and wanting to do something. And that's what we need more than anything else. Because if God is present, then anything can happen. People can be saved, marriages healed, families restored, people set free. It's where, it's where dreams are birthed. It's where vision is birthed in the presence of God. But God begins to speak to us. Remember one time this guy comes and visits our church for the very first time. I get called because at the end of the service he's out. Back then it was the canopy. He's there. He goes, I felt something in my head. I don't know what it was. First time in church. Felt something in my head. I don't know what it was. And that's probably the greatest compliment I've ever had in church. You know, and he couldn't explain. It was the presence of God that he felt. It's what we need. We don't want people going away from here saying, man, the music was awesome, the building. We want people going away I heard the voice of the Spirit. There was something there. It's the presence of God. What we need in church is for God to be present. Moses said, and Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. It's a life verse for me. Our church hears that all the time. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and you, me and your people from all the other people on the face? What else is going to distinguish us from all the other distractions in the world apart from the presence of God? We can't compete with entertainment. There's no point in trying. World doesn't want more entertainment. What they want is the, the reality of show me something that's real. And with AI increasing, and it's going to increase even more, the church has an opportunity to become even more influential because we can be real. We can have the real presence of God, real relationships with real people. This afternoon, I don't so much want to speak to the presence of God. I want to pull out a thought from the text. Um, and this thought applies to leaders, but it also applies to all of us that are on a, a journey of faith. And um, I just pray that, that God is going to speak to us this morning. Let me give you the context first to the passage that I just read. The Bible tells the story of Eli, the prophet who had two wicked sons, Hophni and Phinehas. The Bible says, 1 Samuel chapter 4, now the Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines. So, uh, so they went to fight and they lost the battle. Some 4,000 of them died in this particular battle. So they thought, well, if we bring the Ark of the Covenant with us, then surely we will win the battle. So they went back, got the Ark of the Covenant, uh, 
which is a symbol of the presence of God. They figured we got the Ark of the Covenant with us, for sure we're going to win the battle. So they bought the Ark, not because they revered God, but they, they were using it as a good luck charm. They had the Ark, but they did not have the spirit of the Ark. We've got to be careful that we don't, we don't confuse the symbol with the spirit of the symbol. We've got to be careful that we don't confuse playing a Christian song to worship because they are two very different things. So the people of Israel were excited. They went to battle. Bible says there was a big roar and the place shook. And they went to battle and that time they lost the battle. They lost 30,000 men on that particular day. Hophni, Phinehas, Eli's sons died. The Philistines took the ark. And when the pregnant wife of Phinehas was given the news, she went into labour, gave birth, and, and she died. And before she died, she named the boy Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed. What a sad verse. The glory has departed. I believe, like on a Sunday morning, the, the one thing I'm looking for, more than anything, do we sense the presence of God here today? And if I'm not sensing the God, God's presence in some way, a week or two, we've got to go back into the presence of God and say, God, what's happened here? Because that's, that's the measure that we need to look at. When the Philistines captured the ark, they thought it was a major coup. They knew about the ark, the Ten Commandments, the tabernacle, the demonstrations of God's power. Having this was a major coup for them. And to profane it was great. So they brought the ark into the temple of Dagon. Morning after, Dagon was on the floor. Uh, put Dagon back up. Day after that, not only was he on the floor, now his hands and feet were broken as well. Prophetic about the fact that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can I hear an amen? amen. People of Ashdod said, can't keep the ark here, get rid of it. So they decided to send it to a place called Gath. And when in Gath, there were tumours and all kinds of things, great devastation. They said, we don't want to hear, send it to Ekron. In Ekron, it was the same story. And they said, you know what? We better give this thing back. And so they called together the rulers and so on. Let it go back to its own place or it's going to kill us. So they approached the priests, the diviners, the diviners and asked them how to bring it back. They said, build a cart, select two cows that have just calved, tie the calves up. And then they said, take the ark of the Lord, put it on the card and in a chest beside it, put, put all the gold objects and, and send it off. But keep watching. If it goes up to its own territory toward ben Beth Shemesh, then we know that God was in this, that we had to bring it back. If it doesn't, then we know that it was perchance that all of this stuff happened. So they, so they, so they did everything they said. And then the, the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh. And went along the highway, the Bible says, lowing as they went. This phrase stuck to a sermon I heard years and years and years ago by Bob Mumford. And I, could, I couldn't find the sermon, uh, but it stuck with me. And it's the thought I want to kind of expand today. Another word for lowing would be to bellow. To emit a deep roar, pain or anger. So I want you to get a picture of what's happening here. The cows have a cart attached to them that has the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. They have young calves that have, 
that they've just given birth to and they're tied up on the side. Every instinct inside of them is to go to the calves. Instead, they carry the Ark of the Covenant in the opposite direction towards Israel. And as they do that, they are bellowing, emitting a deep roar in pain. So here's the thought I kind of want to expand on today. We are called to carry the, the presence of God. But there's a price we pay to carry the presence of God. It costs us something to carry the presence of God. While there's glory attached to this journey of faith and we all experience the glory of God, there is also suffering. There is also sacrifice. And if we're going to stay in ministry for the long haul, if we're going to stay in faith for the long haul, I really believe it's important for us to talk about this because we don't talk about it very often. One of the big challenges for us that are in ministry is that when we come into ministry, we have all these ideals. It's going to be amazing. We have pictures of big churches, revival meetings, TV ministries, books, conferences. We have all these ideals about what, what the ministry is going to look like. It's a bit like marriage. You know, we get married thinking we're just going to be in love. <laughs> come on, couples, come on. Help me out here. It's going to live happily ever after romance. You know, it's going to be amazing all of our lives, you know. Thank God that when we're young, we're a little bit, you know, cuckoo. Uh, otherwise, we'd never get married. Those of us that have been married a few years, we know there's the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and then there's the suffering. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> You're laughing because you know it's true. <laughs> You know, love is possible. Of course it's possible, but it takes work. And we have all these ideals in ministry, but, but it's going to take work. <laughs> and because there's a price we pay to carry the presence of God, there is a price we pay. To, there's a price we pay to carry the presence of God. These cows that were carrying the ark, they went... They were, they were lowing as they went. Look through the Bible and you'll see that all the people that were used by God went through a similar situation. They paid a price. Look at Joseph. He's 17. He has a dream. It's really amazing. It was clearly a dream from God. He has it twice. It was a, it was a confirmation. It wasn't just, you know, an accidental dream. It was twice. It was same story, same dream. It was clearly from God. It was his plan. It was God's plan for his life. And then what happens? He's rejected by his brothers, sold as a slave, ends up in prison. Think about the wound that Joseph experienced. Think about the pain and the hurt that he experienced, not for one year, not for two, but things about 13 years. And then there was the temptation to sin. You don't think Joseph wanted to sin? And he, had to, he had to deal with that in his life, cost of being righteous. You get some idea of what of the price that he actually paid when he revealed himself to his brothers. Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about, they heard about how loud he was crying. Why was he crying so loud? Because the pain was so great, lowing as they went. Think about the life of Moses. He was adopted at birth, grew up in Egypt, 40 years in the desert. 
And then he has to lead these obnoxious Israelites out of, out of Egypt and into the promised land. We want meat. We want this. We want that. We onions used to be good in my... You know. Think about what it cost Moses. One day he said to God, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you, that you, that you put the burden of all these people on me? God, what have I done to deserve this? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised an oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favour in your eyes and do not let me face my ruin. Lowing as they went. Was it, was it Moses that thought, nah, you know what, might be really good to lead the people of Israel, read a leadership book, John Maxwell, nah, you know what, I think I could do this leadership thing. Why don't I lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? It was God who appeared to him. It was God who said to him, this is what I've called you to do. Now you go there and you do X, Y, and Z. And now, and now look what he's facing, lowing as they went. Think about Elijah, a man that was used by God in a powerful way. We've we just heard about him. Uh, he just called down fire from heaven, killed the prophets of Baal. He hears that Jezebel is after him and now he's on the run uh, um, in, in the desert praying he would die. And we can call it whatever we want. He was depressed, very clearly depressed. Bible says he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. He was a man that was clearly used by God. Miracles, victories, power of God. Man, if we just did one of those, <laughs> we'd be writing books, seminars, you know. It's, just, it's got to hold, you've got to like this. And yet, you know, we know that he's deeply depressed, praying that God will take his life. Any, anybody ever felt so down? So depressed because of the ministry or carrying the presence of God. Think about David tending sheep, playing the harp, killing animals. He's loving life. Ding. <laughs> Along comes Samuel to Jesse. One of your sons is going to be the next king. Jesse lines up his sons. It's none of them. Do you have any others? Yes. Uh, David, I'll go and call him. Sure enough, David is anointed the next king of Israel. Did he choose to be the next king of Israel? He didn't choose it. He was chosen by God to be the next king of Israel. And from that moment on, his life was never the same again. He's despised by his brothers, misunderstood. His motives are questioned. Saul wants to kill him. He's on the run for 30 year, 13 years. What did he do wrong? And then he becomes king. Read the story of his life. And in between the good bits, you will hear about fights and battles. Why do the Psalms resonate with our spirit when we read them? Because David's experienced incredible pain. And he experienced the pain and he penned it. And as we read it, it resonates with our spirit. All because he was carrying the presence of God. One time he said, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror uh, has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be. Anybody ever said that? 
I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and the storm. I could go on and talk about Esther risking her life. Jeremiah, read Lamentations chapter 3 and you'll get a sense of what he went through. The book of Lamentations. Not a good book to read if you're a little bit depressed. <laughs> Just putting it out there. Except Lamentations 3 verse 21. <laughs> read that one. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Ezekiel, Daniel, read their stories. Read what it costs them to carry the presence of God. Read their stories about from time to time, lowing as they went. And if you're still not convinced, Hebrew chapter 11. You know, we always read the first half of that's the one we like. Oh, power. What about the second half of Hebrews chapter 11? where some were sawn in two and, 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 and someone was persecuted for the They did not see the promise, believing that one day they would. Go over to the New Testament. It doesn't get much better. Are you encouraged to come on this afternoon? Come on, just tell me you're encouraged. Come on, I can feel it. I can feel the encouragement coming. <laughs> Man, I'm so glad I took that after. I should have gone home. <laughs> uh, Think about the disciples, all they went through. One of them actually died a natural death. Uh, John finished off his life in, in the Isle of Patmos. Did they choose to do this? They were chosen by God. The Apostle Paul, we know the price that the Apostle Paul prayed. We, hear, we heard about it today, shipwrecks and, and, and famine and so on and so on. And, and he says, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for the churches who is weak and I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? I do not inwardly burn and so on and so on. Think about Mary. When, when Simeon the prophet spoke to, to Mary, he said, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken uh, against. Mary, you're a blessed woman because, because you're going to give birth to Jesus. And then it goes on, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce, pierce your own soul too. Mary, did you know? Did, did you, Mary, did you know what it would cost you to carry the presence of God? And there she is, and we kind of, we kind of spiritualized the whole thing, but there she is at the foot of the cross watching her 33-year-old son be crucified and murdered. And of course, there's, there's the life of Jesus. What did it cost Jesus to carry the presence of God? These cows that were carrying the ark, the Bible says that they were lowing as they went. But they were carrying the presence of God. Should have been happy. <laughs> should have been rejoicing. They should have, should have been, oh, wow, we were chosen. How good is that? Instead, they were bellowing. One, does anyone go through some experiences in life where... You've experienced heartache and challenges and pain. Watched your family go through pain because of the ministry. Challenges in marriage, stress we, we carry, depression, anxiety, heartache, betrayal, criticism. All because we made a decision to carry the presence of God. I think about our parents. Our parents were the first generation that gave their life to Christ in a culture that was very anti-God. What did it cost them to carry the presence of God? They were, you know, uh, 
uh, made fun of by their peers and, and so on and so on. All because they were carrying the presence of God. A.W. Tozer said, if God has singled you out to be a special object of his grace, you may expect him to honor you with stricter discipline and greater suffering than, it's going to get better, okay? I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. It's going to get better. Uh, than less favored ones and called upon to endure. If God sets out to make you an unusual Christian, he's not likely to be as gentle as he is, usually pictured by the popular teachers. A sculptor does not use a manicure set to reduce uh, the rude, unshapely marble to a thing of beauty. The saw, the hammer, and the chisel are cruel tools, but without them, the rough stone must remain forever formless and, and, and unbeautiful. To do his supreme work of grace within you, he will take from your heart everything you love most. Everything you trust in will go from you. Piles of ashes will lie where your most precious treasures used to be. But it's in that process that God begins to shape us, to use us for his glory so that we can carry the presence of God, so that we can have the character to carry the presence of God. And those of us that know this would, have any other, would, have, would not have it any other way. Not, we wouldn't have it any other way. We would choose it again and we would choose it again and we would choose it again. We would never go back to the old life. We would always say, I'll, I'll pay whatever price we need to pay. And some of you here have paid a price. And you still are. But I do believe that there are times where we need to just stop and acknowledge that. I just believe that there are times where we need to stop and just acknowledge some of the pain. We in the church, we, we always got to be positive. Give me something positive. And there's a place for that. And it will. Get, uh, but I think that there are times where we need to just stop and acknowledge the reality of what we're experiencing. Acknowledge the reality that we do experience the glory. But there is also suffering. If we're not aware of that, when the cost presents itself, we might not understand it. We may misinterpret it and bail out because that's what the enemy wants us to do. So let me give you a few thoughts that I pray will kind of help us and, and, and encourage us in terms of how to deal with, with the, the suffering, the, the pain. The challenges. First of all, carrying the presence of God will cost us something. It will cost us something. We're all called to be carriers of the presence of God. When we give our life to Jesus Christ, He comes and dwells in our hearts by His Spirit. We are carriers of the presence of God, but it will cost us something. Make no mistake about it. There is a physical price, an emotional price, spiritual, relational. Marriage, family, it's important for us to understand the price we will pay. Jesus said, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone uh, who sees it's going to ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. They didn't think about what it would cost them. 
Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able to, with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with, with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Jesus was saying, if you want to be my disciple, you need to count the cost. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to, if you're going to seek after me and follow me, you need to count the cost. And notice he gives two examples, one of building and one of fighting. Because that's what the church will always be doing. We'll always be building one another up. We'll always be encouraging one another. We'll always be, we'll always be building the church. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. That's what we're involved in. We're involved in what Jesus is doing in the, in the church of Jesus Christ. We're called to build the church, but we're also fighting the kingdom of darkness. It's an example of building and an example of fighting. And that's what the church is always doing. That's what we're always doing. We're always building the kingdom and we're also fighting against the kingdom of darkness. We need to count the cost. Paul said at the end of his ministry, he said, I fought the good fight. Notice, notice, notice the analogies he's using of his walk with God. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Notice he, he uses a fight and a race. And by the way, the race is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And, he's, and, and, and both of these things take a lot of work. But despite the challenges, he says, I've kept the faith. If we're going to carry the presence of God, we need to, number one, count the cost. Number two, we need to be honest about the pain. We need to be honest about the challenges. We need to be honest about the difficulties. Notice what the text says. It says, then the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh, lowing as they went. So often in ministry, we think we've got to be, got to be positive, got to be... Well, he's got to be smiling. <laughs> and I understand the complexity of what we do, but sometimes we need to be honest and allow ourselves to grieve. Sometimes we need to be honest with what is happening in our lives. One of the reasons why we experience mental health issues is because a lot of times we're not honest with what, what we're feeling or what we're experiencing and we, we kind of push it and squash it all the way down. And I'm certainly not talking about having a pity party. Oh, it's me. Oh, you don't understand. No, I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about being honest about what we're experiencing in life. The pain, the disappointments. If we had to do it again, we would do it all over again. It's not a problem at all. It's not about that. It's about being honest about the challenge. Allow ourselves to weep as we go. Imagine the cows. I feel like screaming. No, you've got to be positive. You're carrying the presence of God. Put a smile on your face. It doesn't say that. It says they, expect, they express their grief. Um, third thing, we need to steward the presence of God. Third principle is we need to steward the presence of God. What does that mean? Well, if there's a price we pay physically, then we need to take care of our bodies. Uh, if there's a price we pay emotionally, then we need to take care of our emotions. Um, there are some aspects of the ministry that we're never going to be able to eliminate. The closer we are to God, 
The more of God's presence we experience, the greater the spiritual battles. That's a reality. Anybody ever notice that? Sometimes I think, well, if we pray more, then things are going to be better. Sometimes the more you pray, the greater the battle starts to become. The closer we get to God, I know as a church, we've been praying more than we ever have, but it just feels like the heat just keeps on going up. Sometimes I feel like getting up and saying, guys, let's just, let's just tone it down a bit with the prayer. You know, we, you know, as Pastor Joseph, we, we, we've started most years with a, a time of prayer and fasting. We've done it for years and years and, uh, um, you know, different types of fasting. Sometimes it's the 21 day. We've done a seven day, 10 day. We've just noticed every time we guide the church into a time of prayer and fasting, the heat goes up and it just feels like stuff starts to break out all over the place. <laughs> and now we're ready for it. Well, we're not quite ready for it. We just say, we're going to pray in July, so skip January this year. There's nothing we can do about some of that, but we can mitigate some of the price by doing, by doing some really simple things. Things like taking care of ourselves physically. I know it's not spiritual, but we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and us Pentecostals, Christians, we, 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 can, we are body, soul, and spirit. Can I hear an amen? amen. Yeah. We're getting a little bit practical here, but, but we are body, soul, and spirit. And we underestimate the importance of just taking care of our body. Relationships, make sure we have one or two people. We heard that so clearly this morning. Who's your three and who's your, I'll come back to that in a minute. You know, having an active prayer life. And so sometimes we can be forever ministering. I know this happens to me. I'm preaching, 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 but I'm not feeding myself. And I'm thinking, you know, I, this, is, this is getting hard. I don't know what's going. And then I think, oh, well, when's the last time I was feeding myself? Make sure your call is sure. Taking care of your marriage, your children, honoring the Sabbath, rest. I was listening to some material this, this week about, and he was talking about, you know, the fact that as Christians were involved in a race, it's a marathon. The marathon runners, you know, in order to be successful, they've got to do three things. One is they've got to take care of their diet, they've got to exercise, and they've got to rest. Just those three things. Take care of your diet, you know, exercise, and rest. It's, it's the same spiritually. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to be careful what, what we allow into our heads and into our lives. Paul says in Philippians, whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is noble, think about those something. Meditate on these kind of things. If we don't become intentional about that, we will be influenced by the messages that are happening around us. And I can trust you that the messages that are happening around us are not positive, they're not good and so on and so on. And if we think we're not being influenced by that, then we're ignorant. There is, a, there is a message coming out from the world and it's a drip. It's, it's consistently negative. And if we're going to take care of ourselves, we need to do what Paul said. Think about what is good and right and noble. Feed yourself with good things. Exercise, the disciplines and rest. You know, in the, in the last few months for the, for the first time, I, I feel like I'm finally getting a, a revelation that rest is a spiritual discipline. <laughs> You know, Pastor Richard talked about it today, about just, just do something you enjoy doing. The power of rest. Bodybuilders understand the power of rest. They understand that, the, you know, if you're going to build muscle, you've got you've to, you know, lift the heavy weights. But if you keep on lifting the heavy weights every single day, you're going you're to do some real damage. What enables you to build muscle, I've experienced this quite a bit. Yeah. So I know what I'm talking out of prayer. Yeah, as you can see, I know you're going... 
that guy. Um, what enables us to build the muscle is, is the rest. It's the recovery. And we feel like we're going a million miles. We've got to, it's just another season. It's just another, it's just another three months. It's just another six months. We need to be careful. How do we mitigate uh, the cost of carrying the presence of God? We need to take care of ourselves. Being careful of wrong ambitions. Being careful of good ideas that are not God ideas. I get tons of those. It's taken me a long time to say, okay, God, I've got this really good idea. And, and in the past, I would just run with it because it's a good idea. But I've learned to kind of stop and say, God, you know what? I'm not running unless you come with me. Unless you're in this, because if you're not in this, I don't want to know. I'm convinced that times we do make the Christian life, the ministry, harder than what it ought to be. I'm always challenged by the words of Jesus who said, come to me or you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easier, my burden is light. A lot of the stress we experience or some of the stress we experience at times is self-inflicted. It's God saying, but who asked you to do all of that? <laughs> um, I think about that scripture where Paul says, you know, some preach out of selfish ambition and, and some preach out of good ambition. And Paul says, it doesn't matter, you know, their motives, their preaching. But I, I, I stopped. I, I said, I never want to preach out of selfish ambition. I don't want to do anything out of selfish. I don't want to do anything out of my own strength. I've been there, done that, and, and, and I know what that looks like. I don't ever want to be anywhere where the presence of God is not. That scripture I said in, 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 in Exodus 33 became a revelation in my, in my you know, in 1819. And I've, done, I've tried to do things in my own strength. And then it was in an Italian service. He preached on that particular text. I just wept and wept and wept. I said, God, God, I, I, I don't want to be anywhere without where you are not. If your presence doesn't go with me, do not send me up from here. I'm going to stay right where I am. Because when we're in the presence of God, uh, it's powerful. <laughs> you don't have to struggle. You don't have to strive. You have the authority of God. You have the favour of God. There's just, there's an anointing that comes on you that it's not from you. It's not because you read it in a book. It's the presence of God. It's the call of God on your life that gives you the authority to, and, and the capacity, the ability to do that which God has called you to do. I love the scriptures a bit further up and he says, you know, if you, Moses says, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favour with you. I love that scripture. Just teach me your ways, O oh Lord, so that I may know you and continue to find favour with you. I, I still believe the greatest purpose in life for all of us, Christian, doesn't matter, all of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, our greatest purpose is to know God. It's intimacy with God. What did Jesus spend the majority of his time doing? He said, you know, he, well, let's go off and pray. He spent time with God. I've only come to do that which God has called me to do. I've only come to speak the words that God has called me to speak. We, sometimes we think, oh God, I want to do this with my life. I want to, what's my purpose? What's my, what's my call? Let me tell you what your call is. Our call, our primary call is to, is to have intimacy with God. It's to know God in a deep, profound way. It's the Garden of Eden. Adam, where are you? 
And then out of that intimacy, everything else comes because it's in the presence of God that God begins to speak to us about what He wants to do. It's in the presence of God that God begins to touch some of those attitudes in our heart that need changing. It's in the presence of God that God begins to to give us a dream or a vision or that God begins to speak to us about. It's in the presence of God. Tell our church many times that Whatever, whatever issue we're facing in our life, whatever, whatever issue we're facing, the answer's in the presence of God. I want to be exactly where God wants me to be. Think about Moses and Jethro. It's a great, great, great story. Uh, Moses is in the will of God and he's judging everybody and big lineups and every day spending there judging the people. And Jethro comes along, what are you doing? <laughs> Moses was in the will of God. He was doing what God had asked him to do. And Jethro has a look and said, what are you doing? It's going to kill you. We need to steward the presence of God. Another principle is we need to do ministry together with others. Notice how the text says, now, when, now, now then get a new cart ready with two cows. They have carved and have never been yoked. I don't want to read too much into the text. Well, there's two words. But there were two cows here. (laughs) There was two cows that were carrying the ark. And if we're going to carry the presence of God, we need to yoke together with like-minded people. If we're going to carry the presence of God successfully where God wants to, we need to yoke together with other people that are like-minded. If two or three people agree on anything, if two or three people gather together in my name, I'll be with them. Bible says two are better than one. You know the, the scripture in Ecclesiastes. If either of them falls down, another one can pick them up and so on. All throughout the Bible, you see, you see the, the people never, never did ministry alone. Moses is on the mountaintop with Aaron and her. I was just thinking about that again this morning. I, I was just thinking, you know, try and lift your hands up for a while and see, see, see how long you can do it for. I'm up to 25 minutes. I'm not joking. <laughs> it's because I go to the gym. Um, don't worry, Aaron and her, I'm cool. I'll be all right for another 10 minutes, you know. But all of us need an Aaron and her alongside of us. Jesus is in Gethsemane and he takes Peter, James and John. All of us need a Jethro that will help us see things we cannot see. Moses was doing the will of God, but there were things he could not see. And if, and if we're going to get to the finish line, we need to first understand that there are some things in my life other people can see, but I cannot see. It, it, it's one of the things that will protect us from deception. It's an understanding that I know that I can be, de- I, I, I know that I can be deceived. That's the first step, and that's probably the biggest one. The Bible says in the last days, one of the marks of the last days is going to be deception. People are going to believe black is white and white is black. How many people know that's the world we're living in today? And the reality is all of us can be deceived. It's what protects us from deception is to know. Number two, stay connected to the church. Why? Because people can see things in us that, I, that we cannot see in ourselves. Why is a movement important? Because it enables us to, to develop relationships that are protective. Because we recognize that, 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 that there are people around us that will see things in me that I cannot see in myself. All of us need a Mordecai that's going to push us to our destiny. Don't you dare shrink back, Esther. Who knows that God has not called you for such a time as this? And he pushes her into, the des- into her destiny. 
All of us need a Nathan that will call out sin in our lives that are going to knock on our door and have the courage to come and speak to us about some of the things that may not be right in our lives. I don't like the Nathans. I like the Mordecais. All of us need a Paul that will remind us of the call of God on our lives when, 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 we, when we are hopeless, when we feel like I'm finished. And all of us need an Elijah whose hands we can pour water on. It's not just the people on our side or below, it's also the people above us. That's why I believe in the power of this. Finally, remember the privilege of carrying the presence of God. Think about the price that Joseph paid to carry the presence of God. Think, think about the price that Joseph paid to carry the presence of God. But what was the outcome? The outcome is he saved the people of Israel. Because he paid the price of carrying the presence of God, he became the number two in Egypt. Think about Moses, the miracles he saw, the power of God manifest, manna from heaven, the privilege of carrying the people of Israel out of Egypt, carrying the presence of God. Think about the miracles of Elijah, Esther liberating the people of Israel. She paid the price to carry the presence of God, lowing as they went, but she liberated the people of Israel, the, the, the privilege of carrying the presence of God. Worship team, come. Daniel serving different leaders and being protected by God. The disciples, the apostles. Think about how God used them. The Bible says of Jesus, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him. He paid the price to carry the presence of God, but it was a joy. What was the joy? He saw you, you and me worshipping and glorifying God. And I'm sure that if you ask them all over again, they would say, we'll do this again. One of the things that we need to understand as followers of Christ is that there is a price, there is a cost that we pay to this journey of faith. You know that's true. We know that's true. We do experience glory. But sometimes there's also struggles, suffering. And if we're not aware of that, when the cost presents itself, we, 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 might, we might say, you know what? Unhitch the cart. This is too hard. This is too hard. Peter says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. As though something's done. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised about what you're going through. The kind of suffering we experience is not because we've done something wrong. It's because we've been faithful and obedient. So here's the question. Why would intelligent people willingly, knowingly sign up for something like that? Why? Brendan Manning in a book, The Signature of Jesus, writes about a young pastor in Rwanda who was being threatened for his faith. It was renounce Christ or die. And then on the night before they took his life, he wrote this. He said, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. 
I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colourless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, showy giving and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognised, praised, regarded or rewarded. I now live by faith, by presence, lean by faith, love by patience, live by prayer and labour by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, diluted or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity or meander at the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, back up, let up, shut up until I've preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up and stayed up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until He returns, give until I drop, preach until all know and work until He comes. And when He comes, to get his own, he will have no problem recognising me. My colours will be clear, for I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. What keeps us on this journey of faith? Let's all stand together. What keeps us on this journey of faith? What, what keeps us walking towards Israel, lowing as we go? I tell you what keeps us moving. What keeps us moving forward is that we know that there is power in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that there's power in the Gospel of Jesus Christ to save sinners. We know that there is power in the Gospel of Jesus Christ to mend marriages, to heal the broken and the wounded, to set the captives free, wipe out shame. We know that there is power in the Gospel of Jesus Christ and that ultimately, it's God's power and presence that transforms the destiny of people, of nations, one person at a time. And so we say with Isaiah, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. We're willing to pay the price, to carry the presence. These cows, Allowing as they went. And they were used by God to carry the presence of God. God wants to use us by His grace and for His glory. Would you just bow your head, just worship for a few minutes. Just worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, there are some of you here today, you've been called by God, you love God, but maybe there's some pain you're experiencing. It hurts. It's deep pain. You're bellowing. If that's you today, I just want you to know that God loves you. He's pleased with you. It's okay to acknowledge the pain. Just give yourself permission to grieve and just bring it to the Lord. Because ultimately, He heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. Come on, let's just worship the Lord in Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Father, we, we, we don't want to be doing stuff you, you haven't called us to do. We don't want to make this harder than what it needs to be, Lord God. So give us wisdom and grace, Lord God, to be what you've called us to be and do what you've called us to do. We love you so much, Lord God. We love your presence. We love your spirit. And I thank you for what you're going to do. Being confident of this one thing that he who started a good work in you will carry through to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. We, we, we believe that, Lord God. We're confident. We're confident that, that the one who started to do something in it, you're going to bring it to completion in the, in the name of Jesus. And no matter what the enemy throws at us, Father, we're going to be able to stand and be everything you've called us to be. This is our prayer. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. 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 <laughs>